I'm Kelly Siegel, and this is Harder Than Life, a podcast about self-love, self-awareness, business, and health. We tell outrageous stories and boil everything down to simple, practical advice you can start using today. Let's get living. Welcome back to the Harder Than Life podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Siegel. I'm really looking forward to today's guest, Chef Chris Arianas. In doing show prep for this podcast, I learned so much about Chris. There's so much depth to him, and that's why I asked him to come on the show today. From growing up in a Buddhist monastery in Junction City, California, to being involved in Big Vision Community, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering young adults with substance use to lead meaningful and substance-free lives, and finally to being executive chef of Q Restaurants. It's about to get real deep. Chris, let's jump in. What's your story, and why does your story matter? Yeah, yeah, Kelly, thank you for having me. Uh, really grateful to be here. Um, you know, I think my story, why does it matter, is it, it's so colorful in so many ways, but it's also extremely dark. I had um, a very interesting upbringing um, being raised in a Buddhist community. And then, um, you know, there was, a, there was a, a somewhat of a dark past in terms of uh, substance abuse. And um, just, you know, small, small towns always have that sort of feel to them in general it's a community but it's also what is what is there to do and um it was play sports or or, or use and um, i kind of went both ways i was very active and um you know and and i'm right now fast forward to present day i'm trying to make people more aware of recovery and substance and also um, enlighten people on um nutrition um, which I know yourself are, are big into in health and uh, fitness and in, in, in a general and um, you know as a chef it, that's that's something that circumference is what I'm about is feeding people nutrition and nurturing people with with food but um, also with love and compassion and uh, you know my story is very broad and um, so I'm trying to share that with the world guys it, it, Q sounds a little funny it's it's spelled K Y U so. Go to at KYU NYC, uh, and the, it's, it's the food looks fabulous. So follow him, Chris. It's Chef Chris A uh, at Chef Chris A or KYU NYC is uh, so the social handles. But man, the food looks delicious, and and it's in Miami and New York, correct? Correct. Yeah. So the Miami location was the original. Uh, it was from a team of, that uh, built Zuma here in New York. They went down and kind of gentrified the Wynwood area. And, uh, and then I took over the program about two years ago. And now we're expanding globally. And uh, Miami's being renovated, got renovated um, in the same location. So everybody don't, don't get too excited. Uh, it's staying in the Wynwood, right, right behind the Wynwood walls. Um, and then we opened our flagship New York space um, a little over a year ago. And then Vegas opens in December, and um, LA opens in March of 2024. So maybe we'll have to have you back on in December before that the, the it opens. Cause that's exciting. Now, are you based in New York? I am. Yep. Been here for 13 years, kind of on and off. I'm in New York all the time, so I'll, I'll definitely look you up when I'm there. Uh, my mentor is in New York, so I'm I'm there a lot. I wanna I wanna come check out the restaurant. It looks so good. I was just there a couple months ago, and we were. We ate it. Uh, what did we eat? Some nice Italian place it was really good. Come anytime. Yeah. What was uh, what was your substance of choice? To be frank, everything. 
Um, I've always been very adventurous um, and I take risks and I'm spontaneous and, um, you know, I love, I love the thrill. Um, and so um, I, I started using meth by the time I was 13 years old and um, was really big. Marijuana is a big part of the culture where I grew up in Northern California. I'm just outside of Humboldt. So I grew up in Trinity County. So Trinity, Humboldt, Mendocino, which they call the Emerald Triangle. Um, so marijuana has been around me my whole entire life. And, um, and then I got into hard, hard substances um, at a very early age. And then it was whatever I could, uh, whatever came around, essentially. But, you know, the interesting part about it and what I like to share with people is I was always very active. I played every sport you can imagine. I, um, I was in musical theater. I did singing. Um, I did whitewater rafting. I, uh, you know, you name it. I was a competitive male cheerleader for five and a half years and traveled the nation doing competitions. And, um, but I also enjoyed to get high and I enjoyed, you know, to party. And, um, and then, you know, it, it kind of graduated as I got older. Um, and then I ended up getting a job for the Seattle Seahawks when I was 19 years old. Um, and then I stopped the hard drugs at that time. Cause I was like, I'm over it. You know, I, I have a tendency once I get bored with something, I'm pretty quick to pass on and just kind of move forward. Um, and it felt like one of those, that, that stage in my life. So, um, and then I, I got dove really hard into alcohol and I didn't realize it. I was working at the best restaurants in the world. I love Madison park and per se and the nomad and, um, you know, I just felt like I was on top of the world and uh, started to spiral towards my late 20s. After I lived in Moscow, Russia, I was in Russia for um, about five and a half, six months. And um, I fit in very well with the Russians, to say the least. And that's, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of when I came back and, and kind of had an awakening um, and started to kind of pull my life back together. My life was, was pretty good. Um, but what I didn't realize is how dark it really was. And there was my form of rock bottom that I was toying with. Um, and I got sober August 22nd, 2018, and I have been sober since. So coming up on five years. What made you, wait, August, what, uh, what made you do it? What made you get sober? So many things, uh, you, you know, my, my family, a lot of people in my family have substance abuse issues, a majority of them. And, um, I was married at the time and she was very much, um, unhappy and, um, my work, I was working for John Frazier. John Frazier is kind of a rising chef. He's been in the industry for a long time, but he was with Thomas Keller. Now he's with Ian Schrager building addition hotels and, um, you know, he was the first Michelin starred plant-based chef in the U S and I was his, um, essentially his R and D chef, his corporate, like corporate R and D chef. And, um, he basically had a come to God moment with me. It was like, why would I want to have somebody like you represent me when you clearly are not doing so well? And, um, he, t he you know, he really mentored me in that moment and said, listen, well, I want to work with you. Um, but I can't have you be like the face of my brand with me if, you know, you're struggling because I was going through a divorce and I was, um, you know, spiraling. I was really abusing cocaine and partying. And, um, you know, the interesting part about me is I've always shown up 
I've always gone to work. I've never uh, missed days. Uh, it doesn't matter if I've been on a three-day bender or not. I, I, I go and you can only work so hard, you know, it's, and um, people start to recognize when you're not yourself. And that started to happen. And so again, just like anything else, something tragic in my life happening, happening and, um, you know, or something really important, like getting a job of your life, I just kind of switched it off and said, that's it, I'm done. So now I'm just taking it one day at a time. I just, I say today, I'm going to be sober and we'll see how tomorrow goes. And we're five years, almost five years in. Man, I used to, <laughs> I used to, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because he just no. so resonates. It's just, a, it's just a drinker's journey. Um, I used to be a badge of honor as long as I went to the gym and I worked, I went to work and I went to the gym. I would rationalize and justify any behavior, any, didn't matter what I did. I could be do, doing blow all night, drink all night. And, and as long as I walked into the gym and got a workout in and showed up for work, <clears throat> didn't matter. That so, same, exactly the same. I'm coming up on, well, I, actually July 1st will be four and a half years to the date. So I just, Congratulations. I, thank you. Thank you. You know what? I didn't really, I didn't work a program. I just chose not to drink. And I don't do the one day at a time. I just absolutely went right straight for the root and said, why am I drinking? And first I quit drinking and then I felt all the feelings and I went, whoa, uh, now I see why I drank. Address those yeah. feelings and I don't even have a desire to drink ever, ever. I'm a, I'm a results guy. You know, I, I'm a results guy. I'm really big into, you know, I'm, I'm really big into fitness now over the last two and a half years. Um, you know, I've lost 25 pounds. I've started to, you know, learn about keto. I've started to learn about calorie deficits. And um, I mean, I have a personal trainer and I've really immersed my life into it. I'm a results guy. So if I go to the root, if I'm like, okay, this is why I can't do this. And there's not really instant gratification or no results, then I have a tendency to just go right back to it. Cause I kind of like, why, you know, I have to like take it one day at a time. Um, and I think that's just the adventurous, I think that's just the um, living on the cuff sort of style I am because I, I'm a, I decided to become a skydiver. I'm a licensed skydiver. I jump, I jump out of planes. I did it all day yesterday. Yeah. You really like so, the adrenaline. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But I, you, you just said something to me that just absolutely spoke right to my soul and my heart was results. Your results guy. I just realized that I am too. It's in my core values of my, of, of my company as well as me. I, results matter. And yep. it's so simple that if you're not getting the results that you want out of your life, the quickest and easiest variable is, are you using toxic behaviors? And, and, and toxic behaviors can be alcohol, can be drugs, can be porn, can be social media. It could be cleaning your house. It can be women. It could be men. I, anything to keep you from addressing what the real issue is, and it's probably just sitting in your shit. Um, yep. I keep thinking of the Bradley Beal movie or Bradley Cooper movie Burnt. Is that oh, shit. is that kind of what you is, is, was that movie made for after you? Yeah, I mean that movie definitely resonated with me for sure. You know, it's interesting because you know the, the hospitality industry is is prone for being toxic, and um, you know that's kind of the narrative that I'm trying to change right now. And and not only my outreach, I don't want it to just touch people in the hospitality industry, but people that are are maybe 
struggling or suffering in general, but that is, that hits it on the nose, you know, pretty significantly. And it's interesting because I'm Kelly, I'm having this moment of realization in the last probably like year and a half of this results based, you know, moment. And, and I, especially with training, I'm not really getting the exact results that I want. So now I'm having to pivot the way that I'm, you know, maybe consuming food or calories or carbs or sugar or so on and so forth. And, and I'm, really six months in of like hardcore training and I keep telling myself why am I not getting the results why am I not getting the results what am I doing wrong what am I doing wrong and and that's the narrative and I I just had to change the narrative I had to say to myself like okay it's not something necessarily you're doing wrong but it's something that your body's not relating to and you need to just pivot and you need to change your your mental thoughts and and how you're, you know, going about this. And I did. And so I'm not putting so much pressure on myself. And that is the, that is the issue that we have in the, in the industries, in our, any industry, fitness industry, finance industry, is putting all this pressure on yourself to, like, be the best and do the best and get results. And it becomes a very transactional sort of world that we live in. And I'm really wanting to change that. And it doesn't matter what industry we're in. It's just, it's, it's the narrative that you're having with yourself. And that's what I tell people when I hire them or bring them onto our team is, you know, not only what's your narrative, but, you know, what, what do you want? You know, what's, what's, what, what results do you want? And um, we can kind of do that together and I'll help, you know. So simple, but it's not easy. Uh, I say sobriety is sexy uh, and you know, I struggle with going to rest high end restaurants and them having uh, mocktails and choices. Is that, I know that you're, you're big and we're going to get into it. You're big into setting the platforms and the leadership style. And it's, it's, if you watch Bradley Beals burnt, there is a entire method on how you do anything is how you do everything. And it isn't just throwing food, preparing food and making it delicious. There is a blueprint for success. And we're going to get into that, but I, I, I struggle with going to these nice restaurants and them having mocktails or alternatives to alcoholic beverages because alcohol obviously sells. And when you drink a little alcohol, you always want more. So talk about how you're going to change that or, and have you already, or is it something on a blueprint? Well, that's, that's an uphill battle and it's something definitely, you know, we're working on. Um, I think any, big chef or big restaurateur or big bartender or beverage director, whoever, you know, the name you want to put on it, the title are working towards. And the biggest challenge is the ethanol aspect of, of, of cocktails. You know, when you, and when you drink a cocktail, it's that ethanol feeling that you get the warm and the, and the, you know, exactly what you said, it, you know, it, it, it thins out your blood, it changes your mental state, it relaxes you, so on and so forth. And, you know, you can't do that with a mocktail. And so what we need to do is kind of rewire the brain or, or trigger senses in the brain that still allow you to relax or whatever you're trying to achieve by having a mocktail or having a cocktail for that matter. And, you know, they have some, they have some non-alcoholic bars right now that, uh, you know, I scratched my head at, I said, okay, how are you really going to be successful? And, it is an uphill battle going to restaurants and saying I'm sober. First off, if I'm a chef, they want to drop champagne on the table and, you know, make me Manhattan and so on and so forth. And then I tell them I'm sober, you know, they kind of are like, oh, shit, okay. Uh, and then I go and look at the mocktails and it's like all they have is mojitos or 
you know, mock Moscow mules or, you know, or duels. And I don't drink any, it just bloats me and it's just unnecessary. And what's, for me, it's like, what's the point? I'd rather have a ginger beer or, you know, water. (laughs) So, but everybody's trying to, everybody is trying to obtain this mocktail, um, you know, world right now and you know it's difficult because as a uh, as an ex drinker uh, I enjoy that ethanol aspect of drinking and that's what you're missing yeah I didn't realize that you just, you just said it's it's relaxing so if somebody walks in and they're not already relaxed or happy in their life you ain't relaxing them with a mocktail but I got to tell you it it's a mental health state as you know to stay sober it just feels you walk in and I'm just excited to be there. I, I, I say marry the process and divorce the outcome. I'm coming there to yeah. get a delicious meal with, and I want to enjoy the company I'm with. I just had dinner. I was in Miami and I had dinner at uh, Prime 112 with a buddy of mine that we used to drink heavy together. And we're ordering, we ordered everything on the menu. And the bill came and it was, I don't know, $500, $600. And I looked at him like, remember when we used to, the, the alcohol portion of our bill here used to be that? And we laugh and go, this is cheap, $500. And I'm not saying, I don't go out and have $500 dinners every night, but we're in Miami and Prime 112 is one of my favorite steakhouse. I love going there. And, uh, but that sells and that's profitable. So it's, it's a definite uphill battle. But what people don't realize is if everybody, let's say hypothetically, I could snap my fingers and everybody doesn't drink, the world would be a better place. And we would spend more money and we would make more money and we would be happier. Um, I agree with that entirely. For anybody who's listening, Prime 112 is not something to, you know, turn your head at. It's that's that's a great spot and that's an iconic spot. And to only spend five hundred dollars at a restaurant of that caliber and a steakhouse in general, that's that's touche. Because my my soon to be wife, um, she's pregnant. We're going to be having a baby in about two and a half weeks. And Congrats! We're going to get on to the end of that. They, yeah, and so she doesn't drink either. So to like tie it all together, we, we typically spend about that when we go out to a really nice dinner. We try to do one once a month, and uh, we got the bill the other – we were at a restaurant a couple weeks ago, and um, our bill was about that, five or 600 bucks. We said, shit, can you imagine if we were drinking? But that's another thing. The mocktails now are $18. They are, the mocktails are just as much as the – Yeah, but you only have cocktail. one. Yeah. But exactly my point. But you're only having one or two. How much are you really going to drink of that? It's sugary or it's sweet or it's, you know, it's. Well, you know what I get too? To to get that sugar fix, I get uh, cakes. (laughs) And have you seen the cakes? I actually said no. That's why it was was cheap at Prime 112. The cakes at Prime are huge. And they had chocolate and carrot. And it was. It was harder to say no to that than it was to a McAllen 12. I'm like. Oh, good grief. Get me out yeah. of here. Because I, I wanted to go out after. And if I would have ate a big, it was so big. And nobody else would have helped me. I would have finished it. And it would have been, you'd had to roll me out of there. But that was harder to say no to than the drinking. <laughs> so uh, I just I, I just had to laugh about the, the uh, that's the best part about not drinking. It's just the, the cheapness of everything. You don't, I don't book flights last minute because I'm drunk. I don't, I don't lose my car it's just it's, there's so many collateral benefits but this isn't all about sobriety i'm sorry I, I, there's he, this guy's got some amazing stories about how he his his how he makes these 
places successful. But I'm going to take a little pivot. We're going to talk about plant-based cooking for two seconds. I had a local chef, Megan Gregory, on, and she's the brand ambassador for Skinny Butcher, a plant-based chicken, if you can believe that. Plant-based chicken. I can say that again. So we're going to... Chicken is a chicken. It's a live animal, but not this company. And I've tried it, and it's delicious. And it's backed by this co- the company that started Garden Fresh Salsa. So they're 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 real. This is really going to come on. So you're a major major advocate of what you call heal conscious plant based cooking. Enlighten the audience of what that is. So it stems from macrobiotic. Um, you know, background, um, you know, my grandmother was a chef and she was a nutritionist. So, um, you know, there's, I'm not a certified nutritionist just to be clear to everybody. I'm just self-taught and, you know, as a chef, um, but you know, there's conscious eating and, you know, Kelly, I think you can relate as a, as somebody who's, um, you know, into fitness, it's about what you put in to your body. Um, and you know, it's been, proven, you know, there's what the health on Netflix, there's a lot of different documentaries, there's a lot of different shows about plant-based um, eating or plant-based living. Um, but, you know, eating plant-based doesn't mean healthy. And that's the common misconception. Um, and it, there, there are certain things that you need to put into your body in order to meet certain nutritional needs. Um, and everybody's different. Everyone is different. But, you know, there's fun facts like you know, sweet potatoes, you should only cook to a specific temperature. I think it's 140 something degrees because after that it loses all, it loses a majority of its nutritional value. Um, and there's certain little fun facts like that, you know, um, there's carbs in a lot of vegetables that people don't even know that there's carbs in, you know, that convert to sugar. And so, you know, health conscious plant-based, um, you know, is something that I think people should pay a little bit more attention to. I'm not plant-based fully. I, I consume protein. Um, I try to stay away from red meat. I substitute with like BCAA and things like that. And, um, but I, you know, I do primarily try to stick to lower fatty foods, um, just because that's how my body, um, you know, my body doesn't react very well to high fats. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I've, I've done fine. I've worked in fine dining restaurants. I was at 11 Madison Park. That is completely plant-based, three Michelin star restaurant here in, in New York City. And, and um, you know, there's some smoke and mirrors to it for sure. Um, it's just a matter of, of really understanding what you're putting into your body. And, and you can do some research on it. It's pretty, pretty easy to maintain. Um, you, you do, it's not just about eating vegetables. You're not just eating some carrots and broccoli. Um, there's, there's plant proteins you need to get in your body. There's, you know, a plethora of vitamins that you can consume through specific nuts and seeds and you get omegas through these things as well. And, and I think that that's really useful information for people that are leaning towards a plant-based diet or, or want to better understand it. Um, and that's something that I'm a big advocate, like you had said, Kelly, and trying to just kind of broaden people's um, horizons a little bit to it. And I have, I work with some nutritionists that are very like, uh, you know, the more the fine print on how this really works. Um, and so I always have that available to people that are asking or curious. So I, I go to a longevity health doctor, so I get, I don't sleep very well. And it, I, I believe that there's something in my diet that's doing this. And I, I it's because I fall asleep because I'm so exhausted. I sleep for four hours and I'm up 
after that. And I think it's something to do with the mitochondria on my stomach. It's what I, 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 it's the only thing I haven't addressed. Everything else in my life I've addressed. So there's, I believe it's, that's, that is so interesting. That is absolutely, you know, and people don't realize the gut bacteria and how much I, my grandma was telling me this, you know, 25 years ago when I was like 10, she was telling me, you know, you don't eat sugar, don't eat, you know, high acids, be careful of, you know, because you can go and get a full gut cleanse um, and reset the gut bacteria in your body. So doing pre and probiotics and, um, you know, there are certain foods that can help with resetting your gut as well. And then you can do your, your, you know, stress hormone kicks up because you've had a long week and something has happened and your, your gut has completely, you know, 180. And now you kind of have to, that's the things that you have to pay attention to. And people are so quick to think, oh, well, I've been going to the bathroom a lot or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's something that was in the food. Maybe it was in the food that we went out last night to the restaurant and I got food poisoning or whatever the case may be. And the reality of it, nine times out of 10, it's probably your cortisol or your stress levels or something that is going on that is triggering that and to take a look at your overall gut health. And I, I think I, I implore people to do a little more research on that. And that's, that's a really good point. This is why I wanted you on There's so much more. We're going to flip uh, the script a little bit and talk a little bit about leadership because people that aren't in the food industry don't understand what an executive chef is. You actually run the <laughs> restaurant, right? So you set the leadership style, you set how, how things are going to run. There's no boss above you that says, this is how we do things. You run the show. So what is your success, your key to success, your leadership style? Because if you watch burnt, whenever things got at the beginning, when everything's got really tough, he folded under pressure and would treat people like crap. I'd imagine since you're so successful, it's completely the opposite, especially since you're sober and you probably have a lot more compassion and patience and love. So tell, tell us people about your day to day in New York when you're, when you show up to Q and, and how you're successful uh, in a business sense and, and what that looks like, because most of us don't know. I'm not in the food. I only know cause I have a very good friend that, is a chef and he's a local guy and he runs a bunch of, of places. And I didn't realize that. And then also too, he never gets to cook very much anymore. So he'll cook for me and I, I, anything he cooks, I want to eat it. Oh. <laughs> Let me give, I'll give our listeners a little bit of a backstory. I, um, I grew up in a commercial kitchen. I grew up cooking, um, in the Buddhist common, you know, community and commune in Northern California. And originally wanted to be an actor. I went to school for acting and singing and modeling and wow. in Hollywood. Did that whole, yeah, did that whole world. Um, I played piano and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up getting a job for the Seahawks and lived in Seattle for three years where my dad was based and um, and went to culinary school, went to Le Cordon Bleu and graduated top of my class, top in the nation, actually, and was offered uh, an internship anywhere in the world. Wow. And so I picked, per se, um, Thomas Keller's uh, restaurant here in New York. And that was, you know, you, you referenced burnt, that was burnt. Um, and any, any, any restaurant that's at that level in, you know, the early 2000s, you know, 2010, um, you know, so on and so forth, was that world. It was military. I was immersed into the culinary military. Um, and, you know, there was heavy drinking. There was 
abuse. There was yelling, screaming, physical, mental. I mean, it was exactly like the military. And um, I spent a little over a year at Per Se. I was 23 years old. And um, that's where my career really took off. And I just, I did everything under the sun, catering and freelancing. And, and then I ended up getting a job. Yeah, then I ended up getting a job at Eleven Madison Park, which be later became later down the road became the world's number one restaurant, and I was with the company for about three years. Uh, I was at EMP for a little over two years, um, and then got promoted to a sous chef and moved to the Nomad, um, which was a one Michelin star restaurant in the same uh, restaurant group at the time, um, with Daniel Hume and Will Gadara, and um, I was there for a little under a year. And, um, and then I moved to Moscow, Russia, and uh, was, a, was a guest chef in Moscow, Russia, in downtown Moscow. I was work, working for Russian oligarchs, and um, it, that's, we can get down that. Wait, how old are you? Agent, I'm 35. Okay, I wouldn't think, think you were that old. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, I've lived three lives, for sure. Um, that is a whole, that could be a whole podcast in itself, to be honest with you, Kelly, because that was... Um, there's a lot of stories. If I didn't um, have everything scripted already, I would I'd be going down. That. It's like <laughs> that's a good story. We'll yeah. be out again. <laughs> but um, to, to to bring it back to our, our focus here, you know, I was I grew up in the industry, in the military industry, and screaming and yelling, and and I think any people, anybody who's worked in that level of our our industry can relate and knows exactly what I'm talking about. And you haven't, just think military. Um, and I stepped away from that, and, and that's, again, that could be a whole other podcast too. I stepped away from that, realizing the type of chef that I don't want to be and how I don't want to treat people. And because I didn't enjoy it. I grew up in a very, I grew up in a very abusive upbringing um, with, you know, boyfriends and men in my life. And um, um, the religious aspect was kind of shoved down my throat at some points. And, you know, it was really intense. And so going from that into this part of my career was a big eye-opener and I was able to implement my Buddhist philosophy of compassion and love and healing and nurturing and um, and that's what I've been working on it's taken me 10 years it's taken me a significant amount of time nearly 13 years now because that's when I was at per se almost 13 years ago and um, you know I've come to a realization that um, people don't want to be treated like that anymore especially the pandemic kind of did us a favor out of all the of the fire and flames that it ignited in our world, um, you know, there's a phoenix that's kind of rising from the ashes here, and um, and part of that is how we treat people. And so now, you know, fast forward to 2023, I'm the corporate executive for Key Restaurants, and um, you know, I I have with Dining Room Team Two, I have 100 employees per location. Miami will reopen in Vegas, so be 300 plus employees, and. Um, you know, you have to manage everybody differently and you have to, my big lesson that I tell people is, um, you know, I'm only as good as my students want to be. It's not a teacher's only, as, you know, a student's only as good as his teacher. Like, do my, do my students want to be good? Do they want to be successful? Do they, is this really somewhere they want to be in their lives or their careers? And when I'm, you know, um, interviewing somebody, I say, the ball is in your court now. I've given you all the information. I've, I've, I'm leading you to the water, to the water, you know, now you got to be the one to drink and, um, and I'll be here to support you and, and I'll be your coach and I'll be your mentor and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you, but you have to want to play. 
Um, and, you know, I, I live my life that way as well. And that seems to be working. People want to work with me. They don't work for me. They work with me. They want to be successful. And if they don't, they have this realization that, you know, I don't want to lead this guy on. I don't want to, you know, this isn't my real true career path. And they inevitably work their way out. Um, and it's a kind of a process of elimination sort of situation there. So I've really circumference my Buddhist upbringing, uh, my military background and the career, my career and picked out everything that I want to make and run a successful business because I want people to be able to leave working with me saying, I worked for Chef Chris Arianis and that's why I am where I am today. That's my ultimate goal. So I just want, it's so funny you just asked me that. Is that what you want your legacy to be or is there more to it? Because I just realized in my show prep, I didn't ask you any, and, I'm, and I will ask you questions about this big vision that you're on the board for. So what, what do you want your legacy to be? That's a great question. I think I want my, my legacy overall is to be able to leave a footprint for our next generation around health and wellness within the hospitality industry. I think, you know, that's, and to, and to, it, you know, it's so broad to be honest with you, Kelly, because that's a very broad question because, you know, obviously I'm already successful, but my ultimate goal is to build an enterprise, a hospitality group um, enterprise globally that allows access to, to our teammates or our members or anybody who doesn't only work for us, but dines at our restaurant to, you know, healthy living, to access to whatever that may be, uh, inpatient or, um, you know, uh, skincare or gut health or these different things um, that maybe the normal person going into the coffee shop or, or you know, um, Shake Shack might not know about. And we can kind of, you know, we can um, broaden their horizons a little bit. So that's a big question, I think. Um, you know, I think that's still evolving a little bit. So if you're, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, you got to head over to YouTube and see this man's beard. You should have thrown in their beard health because it's a beautiful full <laughs> beard. I can't wait. I can't grow a beard anymore because it's gray, all gray. It's just, just, it looks great, man. Um, no wonder you, you asked how old I was. <laughs> you haven't seen anything yet about, you said you're successful and you haven't seen anything about what's about to come, brother. So you're, you're about to be oh, a father. Congrats. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know the sex of the baby? It's a boy. Ooh, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> how'd you meet how'd you meet your soon-to-be wife? Uh, we met at the Edition Times Square in the industry. We met in the industry. She was the uh, general manager uh, for the nightclub uh, with Ian Schrager. Um, he's a legendary, you know, he had Studio 54, and I mean he's legendary. Um, and this was his like homage, like his next big nightclub. And she was the GM, and I was the basically supporting chef for the hotel. Um, uh, and I built the menu down there and, you know, we worked very closely together. And one day I asked her out for dinner and I thought to myself, I'll bring some roses, you know, just to be a nice guy. And it ended up turning into a four and a half hour date. And um, the rest is history. We've been together four years. Uh, we're getting married in September and we're gonna be welcoming our baby boy uh, July 11th. 
And uh, she works with me as well at Q. So she's the uh, global director of operations. So she's, um, we've been working together since the day we met. So <laughs> Well, I don't even have to wish you good luck because you guys already have a functioning relationship. If you could work together, man, that's half the battle because most people want to tap out at the first sign of, of discomfort <laughs> or disagreement, disagreement. And, and now you guys have, you've, you've got it aced, but I will tell you, man, I'm real proud of you. Real happy for you. Uh, my thank daughter's you. 14. I'm going to go somewhere. So don't say thanks just yet. And, and the, that boy is going to feel love and support that we probably may or may not. I didn't have, but you may or may not. The fact that you're sober not. and she's sober, He's going to be have so much advantages, and perhaps he won't drink, and it'll make his life so much better. My daughter says to me, I quit drinking on New Year's in 2018, and she's, every year we, we own a house in Florida, so <clears throat> we're in New Year's in Florida every year, and we stay up and watch the ball drop and kiss, and she goes right to bed, and uh, she's, Dad, it's last year. She said, Dad, you want to know why I like New Year's so much? She said, it's another year you, you, you don't drink. And I'm like, oh. wow, if you felt that way before, if you would have said that, I probably would have quit drinking sooner. So kudos to you. Keep doing it. And no matter how hard life gets, you're harder than life. And rem tell your soon-to-be wife that as well. You keep doing well, what thank you're doing. You, and you guys will be tremendously successful, not just financially, but as a family. Thank you. Well, hats off. You know, it's not. Thank you. I appreciate that. But same to you. So you don't get to reach a level of success without having a daily routine. So what's your daily routine look like? Specifically, what's the first thing you do in the morning? The last thing you do before bed? And is meditation a part of this? <laughs> Being a Buddhist, I got to. This ask. is such a great question because it's as you know. As I said, my legacy is evolving. Uh, my daily routine seems to be evolving too because obviously having a baby coming and um, opening two more restaurants, three restaurants within a year and a wedding. Um, you know, my daily routine has, has really evolved into waking up, being mindful of not checking my phone, um, you know, actually waking up and getting up, stretching, using my Theragun, um, you know, getting the blood flow, um, drinking some water. Um, I'm on a, I'm fasting. I do 18 hour fasting. So um, it depends on what time I get up. I usually start, I usually get up around eight, um, ish, um, either I'll go to a spin class or I'll go to my personal training. Um, and then I start by, um, you know, the, obviously with the Theragun, there's a form of meditation there, relaxation. You know, I have my routine of my beard care and, um, you know, my skin care and so on and so forth. And then, um, <clears throat> it's off to work or off to training and then off to work. I'm very, I'm very systematic, very organized, very detail oriented. How does, wait, so the 18-hour fast, does that start at night and go into the next day? How do you get 18 hours plus being in the food industry? So how the heck do you do that? I eat, I eat from 12 to 6. Okay. So I have a six-hour window, and service starts at 5. So then that way I can taste through all my dishes and make sure we do pre-shift and um, all of that. And then um, I drink my last protein shake at about 6 o'clock, and then... Um, I'm done for the day. Uh, you know, I really try to make sure that, um, you know, I'm in full ketosis um, by the next morning. And then um, 
you know, it just depends. Sometimes I shift my schedule around and, and I've been learning to be patient with myself. Like at the end of the day, if I need to eat something or I'm feeling my blood sugar is low or I'm crashing, I, I eat. And that's, that's what people have to listen to. It needs to be, you know, regimented and like you need to be consistent. And that's something that I, you know, I instill in my team is consistency is key, but you also have to listen to yourself and listen to your body. So being smart, <laughs> being smart and alive is key too. So the question I had for you, I didn't even put this in, is I, we're big on um, charity. So Big Vision, tell me the the quick, because you're on the board of Big Vision. I, I looked it up, I'm like, wow, this is really a great charity. So t- give us the cliff note version of Big Vision, what the listeners can do to support you. Yeah, Big Vision is incredible. Um, you know, anybody who's um, on the road to recovery or in recovery or just interested in recovery, um, should really look into Big Vision. I sit on the board of directors for Big Vision. Um, Eve Goldberg is the president and founder. She's a wonderful human being. She lost her son Isaac um, about eight years ago um, to an overdose, accidental overdose, and it turned her life upside down. And so what she then did was created a nonprofit to be able to provide access to people in recovery um, to you know, any platform from, um, from inpatient to outpatient to, um, events. We do a lot of social events. We just had a three on three basketball tournament. Um, we're having our big gala at the end of this year, um, to help fundraise. Uh, we just secured our permanent location. Um, so, you know, we're in the middle of a capital fundraise for that. Um, you know, and it's, it's, we're just getting started. You know, and it's it takes people like you guys listening to um, to be a part of this community. It doesn't matter if you're sober. I know not everybody listening to this is sober and that's okay. Like you guys, everything in moderations and um, you guys obviously have your your stuff together. But for those that are that are are struggling, um, Big Vision provides you um, access um, and a safe place to be able to go through the steps of recovery. Um, we do paintball. I mean, it's like fun activities um, while staying sober. What's um, the website? We're in the middle. Uh, bigvision.com. I think it's pretty straightforward, actually. I, I don't just, think it uh, is, because I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes and you they put it on Bigvision.nyc. Okay, good. Thank you. Head yeah. over to that and check Big it out. It's a good NYC. story there. And then you could, uh, if you go to Chris's socials, you'll see he is the white James Harden. I love it. Dude, you're a good man. I'd say thank you for, for not killing me. For that. That's a good one. Um, so I like that. If you were offered a mulligan in life, what would you do over and why? Nothing. I wouldn't do any of it over. I got to get rid of that. I was, question. A disc, I was a disc golf player. So mulligans are cheating. So, you know, I, you know, I was did competitive disc golfing and, you know, Oh, I want a mulligan. Yeah, that's that's not that's just not the reality for me. Um, it, you know, I'm sure people have some pretty traumatic and life-altering situations, and they might want to go back and and try to play God. And and I just I think that everything that I've been through, and and there's been some trauma, Kelly. I just lost my mom a few weeks ago, tragically, to cancer, and it came very very quickly. And she's really the last one in my life that I had any sort of relationship with. And it was very tumultuous, but we were we were doing our best. Um, and you know, not a sob story, but I don't I don't have anybody else on either side of my family that I talk to. So I'm building my own family, um, but I'm not 
there's a lot to be proud of, you know, my substance abuse, my career, my sports, my, you know, and I'm, I'm recovering from, from severe sport injuries when I was a kid. Now I have rotator cuff issues. I have, um, hip issues and, you know, that's why I'm really focusing on the health side of things. And, um, but I wouldn't change it for anything because I've, I've become the man and the person I am today. And I have the tools to be able to provide uh, resources and help others um, and, and teach people lessons. You know, it's not a mistake, it's a lesson. Um, and, and I think that that's really important for us. So, so the mulligan for me is, is out the window because I love I'm that. You know what? I, I'm not going to get rid of that question now that I know, because when people say that they wouldn't change anything, <laughs> that means they've, they're way down the journey. And that makes me even more happy for you and your family. I, and I'll tell you this Thank much, you. you are, you have family and me. And uh, when we end this, I'll get your, I'll give you my cell phone number. And if you, you, you come to Detroit and the next time I'm in New York, I'm going to be hitting you up. I don't ever ask for anything. Just, I want, I want some of that Buddhist love and I want to oh, see, thanks, I want to see the baby. Um, because I love babies and, uh, I just, I love seeing people happy, man. So you mentioned about your mom and I'm going to ask, I didn't ask, I didn't script this, but you said it. If your relationship with your mom was tumultuous, do, do are you able to receive love from your wife or your soon to be wife? Yeah, that's a, that's a really wonderful question. I'm, I'm getting better at it. Um, you know, I'm a, such a giver of love. I'm very good at it for the most part. Um, you know, I, uh, my grandmother was very tough. She was this Irish, um, you know, woman, I Jewish, Irish woman that was <laughs> shit. She was very thick skinned. She was very, you know, angry feeding um, you. <laughs> leathery. Yeah. She just had this leathery personality and like, she was Buddhist, hardcore Buddhist, and you know it was it was interesting. She taught me the the balance of light and dark and good and evil. I'm actually like tattooing my entire body um, in like half color, half black and white, and, and an homage to to kind of my upbringing and my life. Um, but uh, I've realized, you know, being in a an ex passive relationship to being in a way more colorful relationship that I'm in now, and colorful, and, great word, and, colorful. Yeah, it's and it's a much more healthier relationship that I'm in now um, that, you know, it. I am a better understanding how to receive love and also how to provide love to those that need it in certain in certain different ways, because not everybody receives love the same way. And I have to better understand that. But it's taken me 35 years. This year is when I really started realizing that I don't really receive love very well. I didn't really get hugs growing up. I wasn't my grandmother would had a really hard time telling me she loved me until later on in our relationship. You know, I touched a little bit on the abuse growing up and things like that. So I was very, I was not a shelled person. I was very, like I said, colorful and outgoing and ambitious and um, bright and, you know, but there was a lot of dark behind me. And so um, I think sometimes there's a wall, a little bit of a wall, and I'm learning how to um, break that wall down. And it's just taking time and I'm to having patience with myself and better understanding it. And I have a partner who has patience. So that's really a plus. Well, I pegged that one uh, because I, <laughs> I absolutely just until a month ago resolved some mother childhood trauma, and I realized I had even though it was, I love everybody, I love everything, 
and I love my yeah. life. I give love unconditionally. It's a fault of mine, but I'm going to continue to do it. It's, I, I should be Buddhist. Are you a Scorpio? <laughs> Sagittarius. Uh, <laughs> but I can't receive it. It's, it's, and, I, and I think and it's all I want. And uh, I, I struggle, struggle with that up until about a month ago, and now I'm pretty clear. And it's, it's really yeah. just realizing of being vulnerable and talking through it and seeing what that inner child needed as a, as a kid. And what that kid needed was a lot of, a lot of hugs and safety. So that's why I, I, I do a lot of inner child work and I just do it over and over and over and comfort that little boy who was scared to death and hungry and lonely. And I would just do it over and over and over. And it's finally, and I'm, I'm a little heady. It's 47 years and I'm finally getting it. So, but keep it's working so interesting it. how that happens. Yeah. And congrats. Like, it, it, you know, everything happens at the right time for, and I, and I truly believe that. And that inner child work that you're talking about is you just resonated with me deeply because that's something that I share. Obviously my, my, my staff and my team is my, they're my kids, you know, and I tell them like vulnerability is you say sober is sexy. Vulnerability is sexy. Like let the feminine side out, be yourself, be, you know, be confident and comfortable with who you are and spread that love. And it's a, we give hugs at work. You know, I, I hug, I hug everybody. I say, yep. I, I'm, and I, you know, I didn't get hugs growing up and I don't, I have zero relationship with my father and, you know, I, and I, and that's something that I'm like, I don't want anymore. I want to give it, I want it. I mean, I want the love back and I'm working on that, but I, I open my arms to anybody and, well, um, really important well i'll forewarn you when you, i'm deceptively big i'm much bigger than i look <laughs> when i get a, when i see you you're getting a big seagull bear hug so i don't look. think there's anything deceptive about those <laughs> biceps <my friend>. well <laughs> I, love, I love you and we got that so let's let's continue on too, let's 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 get your genius out there tell them tell the listeners about some of your non-negotiables and it could be business it could be a life whatever i i believe that really alignment is in business and personal life. And I, I, would, I would tell you that you have to have your personal life in order way better than to have your per business life. Because the reciprocal is true, but it's, but it's not. So you can, people, there's highly functional people in business that are a mess at home. But if you're perfect at home, you're probably going to be successful in business. So what are some of your yeah. non-negotiables? I don't care if people go, what are business or life? Dude, give me personal ones. Yeah, I mean, th this is such a uh, a great question. I think everybody asks this question, and and you know, we could talk. This could be again a podcast in itself. Um, you know, and anybody out there who's listening, li like, go check out Jay Shetty. I'm sure everybody knows who Jay Shetty is, but you know, he, he really speaks to the balance. And you know, my non-negotiables are. One is self-care, and you, you talked about this. And, um, you know, in order to take care of others, you have to take care of yourself. And if you want to help others and you want to take care of people, and it's you have to make sure that you are taking care of oneself, you know, whether that be through eating, through sleeping, through, um, you know, through sexual activity, whatever the case may be that you need to, and, you know, um, give yourself a little bit more of an enlightenment and make yourself a little bit more vulnerable. Like we talked about, that's super important. You know, brushing your teeth, the silly things that you don't think about 
um, you know, washing your face in the morning, um, you know, making sure that you're doing that meditation or going to the yoga class you've been talking about <laughs> going to forever. Um, that's really important. And, um, you know, I think a non-negotiable as well is, is just being patient with yourself um, and having patience Not with yourself. Not a strong yourself. point of mine. It's hard. I mean, I, we're our own worst critics and, you know, I'm so hard on myself all the time. And I'm like, why didn't I do that? Why couldn't I do that better? And that toxicity, that narrative that you've created will deflect onto others in your daily life and your daily routines. It's just how it's energy, it's vibration. And, yeah. But I, I tell you, if I ever shared what I said, what the expectations I have on myself with people, they'd be like, dude, you're, you're insane. I, I always say self-care yeah. is not selfish. So they tell you when you got an airplane, put your mask on before you assist anybody else, because if you're dead, you're no good to anybody else. So I'm yeah. going to hold you to that, Chris, when your son is born, it, you tend to fall out of alignment. <laughs> like my son yeah. was, my daughter was born a preemie and I had to get up every four hours and feed her. And her mother oh, wasn't wow. able to do it because she had a we had to have an emergency C section and she was rough for the first month. So in the fourth trimester, when she's supposed to bond with the mom, she bond, she bonded with me, and I loved it. I fattened her right up, no problem. But uh, <laughs> I gained, and you imagine, I'm, I was two hundred twenty pounds. I gained twenty pounds, two forty, and I was blubber. So I went right back to the gym after she was in the clear. <laughs> And got myself back right on my routine. So do, slip for a minute. Remember, I was, you, you, you take your foot off the gas for a second. I'm not saying push the brake, but remember where that gas pedal is because you're going to have to hit it right yeah. away. Enjoy that time because it's Thank a miracle. You. And then get right yeah. back on that throttle and, and hammer it. So we're coming up I against it. so much. I, you know, I think you, one last thing, Kelly. Go ahead. Is, is, is to listen. Uh, be more receptive and to listen. I think that that is, <laughs> I think that you know, is hear people, hear people out. And I try to, you know, that's the life lesson that I try to give my, my, the people in my life is like, just listen. You might not agree with it, but just hear people out and listen. Everybody's got a story and, and something that somebody says may actually inevitably help you. Um, and if you really retain the information, um, you know, I think that that's super important and people forget that they always have something to say. I want to say something, uh, you know, me, me, me. Um, and I think that that contradicts everything that we're, we're supposed to be doing right now, um, especially in today's society. So, so good. I, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. I end all my gratitude journals entries with, uh, listen, learn, love, you know, listen yes. is how you learn. It's, it's, uh, yep. and, and you can tell by the way, I keep interrupting you that I yep. don't listen very well. <laughs> we're, pa we're passionate though. We're passionate and that's, you know. Um, and, and it's not a mistake. It's a lesson. I think that's really important. You know, that's a good we, it's one. not a mistake. This yeah. next question is going to absolutely resonate with you real good. If you could have <laughs> dinner with one person that's alive or dead, who would it be and why? Uh, Robin Williams. Oh, <clears throat> there's that point in when he says to Will and Goodwill hunting where it's not your fault. Yeah. Dude, that, I mean, I start crying every time. I cry every time I watch it. Yeah, Patch Adams is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and we get into darker, Requiem for a Dream and Clockwork Orange and Pulp Fiction and so on and so forth. But um, if I could have dinner with somebody, uh, it would definitely be Robin Williams. He was, um, 
him and, and Chris, it's so interesting, him and Chris Farley and, you know, that, that generation um, were huge guiding lights for me when I was, when I was suffering and in a very dark place uh, in my childhood. And, you know, I followed his career, his relationship with his mother. I, uh, I knew everything about him from, you know, how, how much his career really affected him. Um, and the amount of energy that he poured out into other people, he completely forgot about himself. He completely lost himself. And, you know, so did Chris Farley. And, and there's so many different, uh, so many other, you know, very important, not only comedians, but um, people in our lives that have done that. And um, he was an inspiration for me. And he definitely sits on my shoulder um, as I navigate life right now. Um, and I, if I could have one dinner with somebody, it would 100% be him. Yeah, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna digress for a second and say you can fix anything but death, man. If you, if you feel like you don't matter or the only option is to is suicide, seek help immediately. Call me, text me. Uh, we'll get, there's so many people. You matter. You, everybody needs you. So those two gentlemen you mentioned were too proud to ask. Yes. And had they have asked, they would have had an outpouring of support. And those were two brilliant minds that were just good people. So your situation, if you're feeling down is probably similar, reach out to somebody and say, I'm, I'm thinking that the only option is if the world would be a better place with me on it, not in it. And everybody will come running to help you. So sorry to digress for that. Including myself. Yes. Is there something I haven't asked you that you feel compelled to share, my friend? You did a really good job, Kelly. I mean, I think that we've we've touched on a lot. I think we've given our listeners a lot of substance and, you know, sometimes less is more. And um, I think it's important that for people out there that you just said to to listen to themselves and anything that you can take away from this this conversation, um, you know, grasp it and hold on to it. And um, even if it's something as simple as the meditation in the mornings or, um, you know, reaching out and calling somebody you love, you know, I think that, um, you know, those, those are all very important. And uh, I appreciate your time. And um, I would love to continue this. I'd love to do this again. There were so many topics we talked about. I know we just brushed over it. I don't we do it at all. We on tangents for hours. Um, well, and that, that's so important. That's so Well, just do make me, I, I'm going to ask you a favor that when I when I do come to town and see you, make time so we can have a meal and talk. I'm a talker. I want to hear everything. I'm going to learn it all. I want to know everything. And I'm going to want that baby. Same. I'm going to want to, I want to talk to your wife. I want to know what she thinks of you. I just, I love, you know, I'm sober now and I'm present. And there's just all this time that I got to make up for that I spent chasing a bar or a drink or the next party and the next high. And now I want to, I just want to know what, is all about Chris and, and the kid and the wife and the restaurant. And, and I want to go to the restaurant. I go behind the scenes. I want to see how you cook. You know, I know you have a French uh, uh, twing to it. I want to, I, I, you're going to get sick of me. So just please make time for me. And I promise I'll be there. And how I will can I, definitely make time for you. How can I personally support you? I think you just hit the nail on the head. Come see me. I Come, will. let I'm me gonna, allow me to feed you. I'm going to do you one more better too. I'm going to send when I'm done here. I'm going to send you so many p- positive vibes for a he- healthy, 
happy young son and just enjoy that miracle with your wife. It's the Thank best you, freaking Kelly. thing in the world. I, when I, my daughter was born, we have it on video. My voice, I have a deep voice. My voice went up about 40 octaves. And it was just a miracle. <laughs> and to this day, she's all that matters to me, man. And you're going to be the same way. And I can, I can tell. And I appreciate all your you know, compassion and positivity you've sent through the, the screen and the, the earphones here. And um, yeah, I mean, also let me know if there's anything that I can do for you and anything that you ever need outside of just coming to, to break bread. Um, and I'm always here as a resource as well. And congratulations, you're coming up on, you said four years, correct? Four and a half, four and a half. So four mine half. is New Year. Yeah. I always remember because it's New Year. So at the end of the year, it'll be five years. So same to you. Yeah, so we're five years August for me. So congratulations to you. And, and um, you know, you're, you're a force to be, to be reckoned with. So we're I appreciate Just getting you. started. And I'm always hungry, so we'll, we'll get along real well. I think the button, the, yes, I, and I like to talk as well. I love a good conversation. I like good philosophical, um, you know, deep-rooted conversations. Oh, we so, don't get think, into that philosophy. Boy, I can talk with the best ooh, of them on that stuff. I, I, I will. Same. I'll ask you Buddhist questions and uh, just uh, how, what makes the world go around in your eyes, and you can't tell me anything that I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I get it makes that. Sense. <laughs> It makes my staff's head spin sometimes because I can get really deep and really pull things out of them that they didn't even know they had inside of them and really open up their eyes to the way that they've been acting or the way they've been treating others. And they're like, holy shit. Okay. And I think, you know, full circle now, uh, Kelly, one last thing is what you said that really just resonated with me is, is stay present and be present. Um, and I think people forget that they get so caught up in what's next and what's coming on and what do they need to do and their five-year plan and all of these things. And that's what makes people spiral and, and don't do that to yourselves. Just stay present and be consistent. Well, today is a gift. That's why they call it present. So, yeah. All right. It please. Is. I love you very much. Thank you for being on. Thank you for your patience and the snafu. Uh, please rate and share this podcast. <laughs> also, I do my best to respond to all the comments on all social platforms. So if you want to see more of something or less of something, please leave a comment. Each and every episode is sponsored by National Technology Management, the easiest and best IT company to do business with. Delivering peace of mind with technology every day. Visit trustntm.com for more info. And until next week, be harder than life. Thank you for listening. Please rate and subscribe to Harder Than Life and let's take this to the next level. Get connected at the links below.